Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. I felt I was fighting for Scotland and my true happiness lies in the fact that I did not let Scotland down. My countrymen were looking to me to triumph and once the referee raised my hand in token of victory, I've often thought, what would I have done had I failed? Those were the words of the boxer Benny Lynch after winning the World Flyweight title in September 1935. This is the first of a two-part programme about the Benny Lynch Heritage Trail in which I talk to poet, artist and photographer Christina malarvey Quarell and Glasgow historian and author Peter Mortimer who, in 2018, were instrumental in setting up the Heritage Trail which traces the life of the legendary Glasgow boxer. In the process of their research, which included talking to Benny's friends and family, Christina and Peter were able to set the record straight about several aspects of the boxer's life, countering much of the negative press coverage that he received, as well as highlighting the values which sustained him throughout his life. I think one of the most powerful things is we've tried to change the narrative of the story. We've taken it back from some of those journalists uh, who, who would be untruthful and salacious. The booklet that they wrote, describing the Heritage Trail, incorporates their research into the boxer's life and visits the locations in the Gorbals and beyond, which was central to Benny's story. Although Gorbals born and bred, Benny had a strong connection with Rutherglen, as we'll hear later. In this first programme, Peter and Christina began by telling me how they first became involved in researching the Benny Lynch story. Well, you start because it was you being right, in a certain okay. place that, that, that yeah. prompted it. Well, the, the, the founder of the Remembering Benny Lynch statue campaign is two people or parties, if you like. Lynn Leeds, a, a local woman from the Gorbos who's still involved in the campaign, and Kelvin Amateur Boxing Club in Govan Hill. And the link with the Kelvin goes back to Charlie Kerr, who was one of uh, Scottish boxing's champions in the uh, in the forties and fifties, and he was a friend and peer of uh, Benny Lynch. So the Kelvin Amateur Boxing Club early on made a T-shirt about Benny Lynch, and. Um, that kind of went out into the community. But Lindley's approached the Kelvin and said, could we start having meetings and try to organise a, a fundraising campaign that would eventually get a statue for Benny Lynch, perhaps in the Gorbals? And part of the reason Lynn and the local community wanted that because there was quite a lot of art and statues going up in the Gorbals that perhaps wasn't always everybody's choice. So as part of that... There was a number of other meetings within libraries. The first one I went to was in the Gorbals Library in 216, and they had like a, a birthday cake and a birthday party for Benny Lynch and some of his... There was a cousin there and different families. I have to say, I got reluctantly involved because I was so involved in so many other things. But the Kelvin uh, Amateur Boxing Club, and particularly Charlie Kerr, um, when my oldest son David was about 12 or 13 Charlie Kerr had been quite his mentor and David like many young boys at that time was um, let's say 
you know, you were trying to keep them involved in things. So I had a great loyalty to the Kelvin I still have. And uh, Dave says, please come along, Mum, see what you think. I think they could do a wee bit of your input. So I did go reluctantly along, but I'm very pleased that I did because it's been a journey of a lot of growth for me and a lot of new friendships, like Peter here today. Um, so after that first one, then... Other people were putting on in the libraries different uh, uh, days, exhibitions, and I went along to Bridgeton Library because they had the cup and uh, memorabilia from his uh, sporting achievements that had been found in the Glasgow Museum's resource place in Nitzhill. In fact, had been hidden all these years. And I sat down with yourself... And we began talking about what yeah. what we thought we could do to yeah. perhaps again input. Immediately, you being a writer connected with myself, and yeah. we felt kind of that kinship comfortable for day one. Yeah. Comfortable. So um, we made a time from that meeting to meet again, and we began to talk about the Benelinch Heritage Trail because you were already, I think, involved in. Heritage in Parkhead. And I was, yeah, yeah, just. So how how did about. you come to that meeting in, in Bridgeton? The, me- the meeting at Bridgeton was the Bridgeton Library Local History Group, and I've been the secretary there for a good number of years. And we were just finishing up one one Saturday morning a month. We 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 meet, and we're just about finishing up. And somebody says, "Oh, there's a Benny Lynch thing out there." And I went out and I started chatting, and then we, as you say, we agreed that we'd meet later, and. Everybody who grew up in the Gorbals of a certain time always knew about Benny Lynch. And they'd heard lots of different kinds of stories. The story I had heard was from my mother, and she stayed in Camden Street round the corner from where Benny was in Florence Street, or where he was born in Florence Street. And she said the night that he won the world title, it was like a big party in the Gorbals. And of course that was born out. Two days later, Benny came back to Glasgow from Manchester, having won the title. Jackie Brown, and it was there's been quotes of up to a hundred thousand people on the streets of Glasgow. Certainly, the old photographs that we, we know and we we, we, che- we now cherish was Benny getting carried shoulder high through the concourse of Glasgow Central Station, and even into Gordon Street. It was jam packed, and there was police on horses and all this kind of stuff. So that there was a huge celebration that there was this wee guy for the Gorbals was a world champion, which was just mm-hmm. amazing. And, the, and so Benny Lynch became part of my folklore, even though mm. I, I was born some 20 years after Benny had passed away. Mm-hmm. But Benny Lynch is ingrained, he's, he's in the DNA of the Gorbals. Mm-hmm. And I and, and knew wee things about him, the wee stories that you heard, but never really got into it. Mm-hmm. And it's when we started. And the interesting thing, I think, was before we got pen to paper, we spoke long and hard about how we would approach it and what would be our benchmark. And there were certain things that we, we we thought, and we'll probably come on to it, there was a lot of salacious stuff written about Benny, to the point where the, the Lynch family were absolutely sick, fed up, having to cope with and deal with uh, uh, the press. You can maybe tell them, talk about that as well, Christine. Uh, so we thought, well, let's have fresh eyes on this. What, who was the man, and what was he like, and what did he do, and why are we still talking about Benny Lynch, you know, 109 years after he was born? And he's still as big a story now as he was uh, at his prime in the 1930s. I, th- I think the, uh, you know, 
one of the important things is that quite a lot of adults of our age across Scotland um, grew up with their parents telling them about Benny Lynch because it was such a phenomenon at that time. Uh, and certainly, you know, I was one of five daughters and my father uh, grew up in the Gorbals with Benny Lynch, born nearly the same year. So, uh, and it wasn't like superstars of nowadays. You were walking about the streets, you were getting on off buses, you were going into local places. So, you know, you shook everybody's hand, everybody knew you. But someone like me growing up, particularly uh, probably as a, a young girl, I heard the stories, but I wasn't listening. But you just didn't listen to, you know, your father wanted to tell you, but you were, you know, and he, he'd done a bit of boxing in the Navy and so on. It was more when David went to the actual boxing club, not to box, although he did a wee bit, but it was more about the training and the discipline, and I got to know more then. But I'm not a fan of boxing per se, or any kind of competition sports, but boxing history, as we've learned, is the history of many working class communities across the world. It's a very universal theme. And what what I, when I went to the first uh, kind of meetings, I was uh, trying to contribute to some of the group that like Lynn and uh, Marie and them that were already involved. Um, but I wasn't there to stay. I was there to sort of say, I think this may help. And I've got the original kind of point-by-point bit that I wrote down uh, and gave to them, but I ended up taking those original This Might Help and and running in it with it myself. And a big part of that was journalism, salacious journalism, over a long period of time. Uh, Written books and plays, all more about the end of his life, and there was tragedy in his life, but there was also joy and family and many other parts, like all human beings. Uh, there was also prejudice, prejudice about his uh, background from Ireland, prejudice about uh, boxing. Had the sport been swimming or football or whatever, I don't think that same prejudice would have been there. So the story was very skewed. There was not, to me, an analysis of the values of the person, the values of the community that he came from and that loved and supported him, and the values that he never forgot. Um, because that, you know, uh, good journalism, bad stories is good journalism for some, uh, and it's also how you define journalism. You know, people like John Pilger weren't writing about Ben Lynch. It was uh, more uh, kind of career and ego-centred. So that was one of our first mm. discussions, which I'd taken to the Benny group as well, and said, OK, I'll try and do some of this work. But we look at we're value-based as writers and we're core. One was we won't write anything that the family aren't... We don't have their permission to write. That would be Mm -hmm. a no. Uh, Two, let's look at the whole picture, the whole analysis of poverty, where it came. What were the chances of this child actually getting to a man to... We also spoke about the, the, the roots out of poverty, which yeah. are, are, are given us three things that you can get a root out of poverty. The first one is crime. You can become a gangster or a, a thief or a, a bank robber. The second is entertainment. You might be a good singer, you might be play a guitar. And the third was sport. And Benny's root out of poverty was sport. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of still holds true yeah, today, yeah. Uh, of the, these roots out of poverty. I'm Carrick MacDonald. 
and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this programme, I'm talking to Christina Malavri-Corell and Peter Mortimer about the Benny Lynch Heritage Trail. When, when we looked at the... Um when we looked at this, I also write with another writer, John Davison, we'd looked at the kind of core statistics at that time. So one, to be born a baby into the Gorbals at 19... 13. Birth at 1912, like my own father and parents. The chances of your mortality and staying alive under five was, you know, it, it, it was very fragile. Mm-hmm. Benny was born into a lot more the kind of acute poverty that was there in the Gorbals and other communities at that time. Um, and then tragedy struck as he got older as well with uh, the break-off of his parents mm-hmm. and then, most tragically, the loss of his older brother at only 16 and he was more his parent by mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. And um, I, I often thought that there's there was a great drive of grief in Benny and where do you go with that? And once the, Sammy Wilson spotted him uh, after the booths, which were quite barbaric mm-hmm. in many ways, um, and when when men did go in to do the uh, you know open knuckle boxing and booths, it was about putting food on the table. We must never forget that when they say a hungry boxer, it's actually about how do you feed your family, how do you feed yourself. It's you know. Um, you know, it's not, the glory may come, but there was a lot before that and a lot didn't survive. Mm. But um, once Benny was seen by somebody like Sammy Wilson, who you can go mm. on and talk about a wee bit of another very gorgeous character, um, then he had that mentorship, he had a community, and he had some kind of physicality for such a small person and coming from a background where, like, nutrition wasn't it. It's not like sports, you know, you don't have sports nutrition, you don't have all the things. If you to look back on Benny, it's like maybe like some of the runners that come out of Kenya or places where you have very little, but for some reason one person has that uh, physicality to, to do something completely, you know, unusual in terms of that. And as I say, I believe he could have been a footballer or a swimmer. There was something very physical about Benny. And also he had a tenacity and a determination to win. And I think part of that comes from that background of great poverty and great pain and to to actually find some success. I think one of the things we did try to do was when we decided we'd do something, we thought, well, what can we do? And we thought, well, how about a heritage trail around the Gorbals? to tell the Benny story in the Gorbals. And OK, Benny, Benny boxed elsewhere, as we know, um, but we, we thought you can still tell his story with a good wee walk around the Gorbals at certain spots and certain locations, and you can tie them back to Benny's life. Yeah. And that's that was a kind of yeah. wee yeah. seed in, the, in the, the, the soil, and that yeah. started to grow, and we started then to look at, right, well, let's talk about Benny, the chronology of Benny's life, and where were the important locations, and... Which locations can we go to today? Stand at the spot because inevitably what was there before has gone. But you, if you stand at a spot, there's nothing there. If you tell the story, you can make the picture, mm. and that that really was what we tried to do uh, by by putting out a or putting together a heritage trail round the Gorbals, picking up on Benny's life. I think I think also what was really important about that. I, I mean, I have 
we have our small booklet here it is a booklet um, but Peter and I put nearly a year of work yeah, yeah. every couple of weeks we met in the Gorbals yeah. Library we felt we were immersed in Benny yeah. and um, although it's small it's a wee gem because there's so much authenticity to it and all the things that we found for example um where where on Glasgow City Council, who never at any time really at his time celebrated Benny, it was the opposite. We found there was uh, literature that gave Benny's born address, and it was wrong. Yeah. And Peter, Matt Man here yeah. did. The detective uh, yeah, work. A, few, a few years ago, Glasgow City Council brought out a walking tour of Gorbals. And one of the locations they pinned on it was number 17 um, Florence Street, where Benny was born. And the where they showed on the map, they showed a part of Florence Street, which was down very near Adelphi Street at the river. But when Benny was born, that part was not called Florence Street, it was called South Rose Street. And Benny was uh, born actually some several hundred yards further south, just off Cumberland Street. Mm. So right away we had that anomaly. Mm. And you think, well, how much of, of Benny's story has been perpetuated that's been wrong? Mm. There was just one wee simple thing, where the guy was born. Mm-hmm. And it was wrong because somebody didn't take the time to, to research it. They just they just accepted, oh, number 17, it must have been on the left-hand side coming through the river, so it was around about here, mm. which is actually the site of a school. So, uh, you know, really fundamental schoolboy error in sure. terms of research yeah. and, and we kind of built the story up from there and saying well where did he go to school um, find out as much as we can about that, where did he box how did he get into boxing some of the places where he started to box and then of course Sammy Wilson came into his life which was a major major part of the, the Benny story which a lot of people don't really um, acknowledge or, or understand Sammy Wilson was Sammy Wilson was Benny's manager and trainer he actually lived in Florence Street, uh, a stone's trophy where Benny was born, and uh, Sammy was uh, quite a character in his own right. I, I, I had the privilege of meeting uh, Sammy Wilson's son about a month ago, and his grandson, uh, his grandson's home at, his, uh, at uh, Hamilton, and Douglas, his, his grandson, put it superbly. He said, Sammy Wilson was Alec Ferguson to Benny's David Beckham. And I just thought that captures it, you know. And and, and Sammy had that, you know, that influence over Benny, and really was the anchor for sure. Benny, not just as a boxer, but as a man, and uh, a father, a father figure, a mentor, mm-hmm. uh, and he he, 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 he loved hard him. They both loved yeah. each other. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that male love, yeah. you know, which wouldn't have been spoken about at that time. Yeah, of course, no, you know. um, it, it would be very west of Scotland, uh, but. Anybody that you talk to talk about, uh, you know, Sammy Wilson and Benny. And then there's the story of the pocket watches, which we can go into later. And also, uh, Sammy had been a boxer and had to kind of stop. So, uh, in fact, in Florence Street, how many of those... There was a a number of families... There was about seven boxers come out of Florence Street for some reason or other. Yeah, and I think Matheson Street was another street Uh which is adjacent to it. They had a lot of sportsmen, so... But that was... Not unlike the whole of Glasgow, but the Gordons seemed uh, particularly blessed uh, in that regard. And also, uh, Peter, um, you'll know more, the, the, the number of boxing clubs that were around, yeah. like the Kelvin Amateur. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, quite often men voluntarily put in that coaching and that mentoring. And, mm-hmm. you know, Charlie Carroll always said, 
we have to keep them off the streets. Yeah. That was his yeah. big thing about young folk, yeah. keep them off the streets. Now, that's a small statement, but it means everything, particularly at those times. Yeah. But the, um, uh, you know, I think to have had that privilege, as you say, to meet, you know, you're talking to first person because Eddie, who was only about eight or nine at the time, you're talking to someone that's been in yeah. Benny's company, met him, all of that. So that's... Yeah. Quite wonderful, isn't it, that we got all those threads. We've met quite a lot of people that way. Um, We've met uh, Benny's surviving son, who's 85 now in Canada, his daughter Sharon. Mm -hmm. And how how that came about was Sharon, uh, who's um, Benny's granddaughter, was over in Glasgow in, I think it was 2010. I'd have to look and correct that if it's wrong, but she took a taxi somewhere and in the taxi she was telling the driver who she was and the driver was a friend of my son David's and he said, do you know about the Kelvin Boxing Club? And she said, no. She said, well, they've, they've got a lovely T-shirt and all that and it's about your grandfather. So he then spoke to David and David said, have you got her number? Which he did have. And David with and the Kelvin in a couple of days organised for Sharon to come to the Kelvin, and that and David phoned me and said, "Mum, would you come down and do some photographs?" Which I did do. So Sharon came to the Kelvin with her three children, Benny's great grandchildren, and also her sister, um, sadly who's not here now, Terry. But um, that was a, a great moment of everything because the family was there in the building and you know more stories and more pictures Um, and that was part of I think what was quite powerful for us that we had ability to email Sharon uh, in particular about anything that we we, would it be all right to put this in or if we're writing the heritage show that are you comfortable with that everything went that way because in the past Sharon had spoken about her uh, grandmother Annie and that was why she was here on that visit. She was here to scatter Annie's ashes because Annie went on to her, her 90s, I think. This was Benny's wife. Wife. But the the, um, the that ability to, to write truthfully and authentically and if there'd been anything they didn't want in, we wouldn't have put it in. So that was a great sense of confidence for yeah. us writing. But the... Um, the the whole uh, and the other part of that was we then went on to meet Suzanne, who's Benny's granddaughter from his son, John. who John and John sadly passed in his thirties, and Suzanne's in uh, Easter House, so they were very kind too, allowed me to go and have a visit with her, and talk with her and uh, take copies of photographs which have been very helpful. And then along the way, as we got the um, Heritage Trail up and running, we managed to get Suzanne out to the Carlton Bar to be yeah. as a VIP guest, to be there in person um, uh, with when we... We did the talk. Uh, yeah. And I think one of our proudest moments was when uh, Suzanne said, you know, you both have done the Benny Lynch family proud. Yeah. Because we really, that was what we were hoping to accomplish. And yeah. there had been so much salacious writing before all of that. Um, 
and and that's on record from both the families. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to part one of a conversation I had with Christina Malavi-Corell and Peter Mortimer about the Benny Lynch Heritage Trail. Thanks very much to Christina and Peter for talking to me. The music was by Shugle Nifty. If you have any memorabilia relating to Benny Lynch, such as photographs or programmes or tickets for any of his fights, Christina and Peter would be very keen to see these. You can contact them through me at camglen.history at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this programme and that you can join me for part two of my conversation with Christina and Peter about the Benny Lynch Heritage Trail. Until then, thanks for listening. How do you look after your teeth and gums? Brush your teeth um, every every time you wake up and at bedtime. Make sure you get like everywhere around your mouth, even the back of your teeth. If you kind of don't, then you'll have them fall out. If you don't look after your teeth, you'll get black and pink. To help keep your teeth and gums healthy, visit the dentist regularly. To register with a dentist, simply telephone or visit a practice in your area and ask if you can register with them. You can find a dentist near you using the NHS Inform service directory. You are listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you will hear the sounds of the River Teeth in Calendar. <laughs>